name's Eileen Townsend, and I'm the editor of the Northern Logger and Timber Processor, a trade magazine for the forest products industry that's based out of the Adirondack Mountains in New York State. Hi there, and thanks for listening to our July episode of the Northern Logger Podcast. This podcast, we spoke with somebody whose name you might have seen around if you're involved in logging world on the internet, which is Kendra Burns. Kendra hosts the Talking Forest podcast, where she's featured a lot of really amazing women foresters, and she's served as a communications consultant for a lot of forestry organizations. She grew up in Washington State in a logging family, and she got into the industry because she saw some things that could be improved in terms of how the industry communicates and how, how we talk about what we do. So I really love talking to Kendra about her work and also about her experience living in Germany. She is a military spouse and her husband is based in Germany, so she's over there experiencing life on the other side of the pond. We just had a really nice conversation, so thanks for listening. So I, I want to back up a little bit and just uh, talk a little bit about how you got involved with writing and thinking and spreading the news about forestry and where you grew up and what jump-started your interest in uh, talking about forests. I was born into it. No, 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 no escaping that. <laughs> I'm a fisherman's granddaughter. And everyone else was either a logger, a log scaler, log truck driver. And I went into forestry because you're not going to see me driving a semi truck <laughs> down logging roads. I also wanted to see something that would work for me that I understood. And I understood forestry. And the program that I started in, in Grace Harbor College, came in and we were the guinea pigs of the program. And now I mentor the students that are 12 years into the program that I went into. But my, my mascot was a choker because in the area, Aberdeen, Washington is where I'm from. But I say Grace Harbor because the entire harbor is all about logging and that's the industry that is most prominent, um, fishing, logging, and hunting. And so I went to school and was interested in natural resources in high school, and I was in 4-H and FFA since I was 10 years old. So all of those programs brought in um, different avenues for me to see and do, and I got to see a plethora of options in forestry. So I actually knew that I could kind of go down the road I wanted to go down in forestry, which was really a great thing to be able to kind of pick and choose so I got to do internships with Rainier and the Polson Museum was my senior project and the Polson Museum has um, Polson logging, which was a part of Rainier. And now Rainier has their campaign that I've been talking to their communications people about is called More Than Trees. And I was really proud when that came out because in 2017, they didn't have a social media presence and I was dis disappointed. Um, so now that they do have one, I love sharing the, their posts. Um, and so Rainier is a background. I also went into the Seattle Audubon Society as a, as a conservation intern. And what that did was it gave me a different look into the conservation side. And so I'm also able to talk from conserving all the way to a harvest 
And so that kind of gives the the ability for me to have the social license to be able to have talking forests and going to school for all of that for so many years. Um, I'm really excited when someone wants to promote something that's new and different. And um, I'm into basically helping anyone talk about forestry in, in any part of the sector. So how did you make the connection that you wanted to do communications work? And can you talk a little bit about how your own business has developed um, doing social media communications for uh, forestry organizations? Yeah, so my bachelor's degree was actually at Evergreen. Our mascot was the Gooey Ducks. I know, I know about the Gooey Ducks. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. Going there gave me like a whole different avenue and some different thoughts and processes in order to be able to start communicating. And that college specifically doesn't have a GPA system. So I, in two years, I would write an essay about how I did in the class and my professor would write an essay about how I did in the class. And we would actually come together and talk about our uh, perspectives. And so my transcript is 30 pages. Wow. <laughs> so writing came naturally to me. And I've always been in different curriculum. Um, you do need technical writing. And I was also in University of Washington English in high school. They did college credits. So I was able to build my writing through high school in five years of college. And then the communications piece came after I started the career I realized that the industry was needing a different type of energy and vibe in communications, and I could see all the shortcomings in forest policy. And when I started to see some of the things that they could be doing better, I was like, why can't I do that for the industry? That's something that needs to be provided. And this was before Forest Proud even came on board. Their brainchild was North American Forest Partnership in 20. 15, 16, and I was a ghostwriter for them. So I was actually a part of the Forest Proud team before they became Forest Proud and, and branded themselves as that. And can you tell us a little bit about Forest Proud for people that haven't heard of them? Yeah. Um, so they came about from a bunch of people in the industry that wanted um, another communications effort that would be um, putting out content for the entire industry. So bringing together a 100 memberships um, into Forest Proud was not an easy thing. And so they've really been doing a lot of rethinking in the communities of what can we do with wood? How do we utilize wood? And then actually coming out with a lot of really good videos. And so it's kind of gone from starting out as just, you know, blogging and writing and, and having a website to now shareable content for everyone in Forest Proud. So I work for them when needed, and I work directly with them on their, their posts in that I share them as Talking Forests a lot, and I tag them in relevant posts. For, for example, I had a podcast guest that was wearing a Forest Proud t-shirt, so I tagged her and Forest Proud, and that way we're able to see that collaboration and that, that working together. So I'm curious, because definitely the forest product sector is not famous for their tech savviness. What what have some of these conversations been like with the different forestry organizations, just getting them on board and, and saying, this is how you can effectively communicate? Right. That's a good question. Um, 
that needs to be asked because I have had a lot of hard consultations on both ends. We have to be flexible with each other because I may go a million miles a minute and then the client is like, wait a minute, back up, back up. <laughs> and so I've been able to really give the client what they need at the time and as to where they are. So let's say starting out, um, I'm working with a group of tree farming from an association, society, a club, and they just want to get their name out there and just get started on social media. So I figure out what they are, their business goals, who would be their ambassadors in their respective organization. And then I'm able to start communicating and doing weekly consultations and I can walk them through the process of content, branding themselves, what mediums are they going to use? And then once we get to that point, then I'm either able to hand it off to them when they're ready, or I maintain it as a retainer client myself. So it's really been cool to work with people who may not understand. And there there is an age gap, but m- part of my business elevator speech is to bridge age, diversity, and sustainability. It's been different for me to have that authoritative voice as a 30-year-old woman, but it's actually worked out really well because not only am I mentoring them, but they get to mentor me in things that I haven't seen before as well in the industry, or they have a different perspective. So that's basically how we collaborate is I figure out the organization's needs and goals, and then we work from there. And there there has been a few different criticizing um, emails I've received here and there, but it's all in good nature and it's always meant, you know, to help each other. And so I think we can do more of that and sending those emails and being receptive to them. So can you tell me a little bit about your work with Talking Forests? And I always see you highlighting all these really cool women foresters. And I just wanted to know a little bit more about what you're doing there. I basically created what I would have wanted 12 years ago when I was in forestry school. It just wasn't something that people were doing. And I was an intern out in the field by myself doing regeneration surveys, taking selfies on an old phone. It might have been a flip phone. (laughs) You know, I really would have wanted someone to highlight what I was doing because we, we need more of the featuring. And that was something that I've been working with Society of American Foresters for six years to feature other people. And so I had to become a role model. If I wanted something done in the industry, I needed to do it. And that's why I hopped in. And that's why I did all the featuring of everyone else, because we have championed a lot of people, but they're the same people in the same organizations that you see every day. And while I love them, we need to hear about the underdogs. We need to hear about people that you don't know have boots on the ground. And once you start hearing those, then you're able to go, oh, maybe we do have a diverse industry. We just haven't seen and heard because we're championing the same people over and over again. So look into your organization and find someone that is new and ask them questions and put it on your website and your social media. Yeah, that makes total sense. So can you tell me about some of your favorite stories that you've done? I've covered so much content. It's almost insane to think about now, looking back. One of my favorite things that I got invited to do was document tallwood buildings in France within like six months of landing landing in Europe. And my, my first retainer client was promoting building with wood. 
And so that was something that I wanted to continue doing overseas and actually take the opportunity since we're in a different country to travel. Germany is like the size of Texas and all the different European countries around it are in driving distance. So having an opportunity, why not go document all of it and create content and do that kind of thing. And then that has led me to doing all of the tree towers. And although I wanted to get to more of them before we leave in 2021 and go back to the States, that hasn't happened. But the ones that I have documented are so amazing and they need to be built in parks in the States. That's why I'm doing it is because I'm showing people what other people have done with wood and we can continue doing that. So those are my favorite blogs. And then as far as stories that I've covered, there's just so many. I mean, some pregnant women that have still done field work. Wow. And I just I just can't pick them, but it's so hard. I've featured some Canadian foresters from the Women in Wood group. That was created by Lacey Rose and Jessica. From, and Jessica's from the Sustainable Forestry Initiative. And Lacey, Lacey also is on a show called Mighty Jobs. And her and I actually ran into each other at the International Chartered Foresters meeting. And um, I got to hear her presentation and was just blown away by the impact that Women in Wood has as well. So thinking about all these organizations I keep naming, like my business doesn't compete with any of them. What I do is in conjunction with. So I'm a part of all of them so that we can bring together, just like Forest Proud, we can bring together our industry and talk and be open about these stories. I also really appreciate the women that have talked about being in fire. The fire line is never easy and holding those down, especially going into this season, is a story to talk about. And I'm excited when more of those come um, my way. But the interesting thing about the podcast is it's completely organic. I edit everything myself and I'm able to unbiasedly tell stories that it doesn't have to go through a producer. And I've been working on sponsorships. So that's the only thing that I'm bringing um, on to the podcast is doing a real um, 60 seconds for an organization that wants to sponsor the podcast. So just putting that out there, that's an option. But I'm, I'm really excited that it's so organic. And that's what my goal has been is to show people that it's not about followers. It's not about numbers. At this point, we can grow and engage our audiences organically, which means just reaching out. And that's how I get podcast guests is I just slide into their direct messages and ask them if they want to be on the podcast. <laughs> so uh, I guess after, God, uh, is it a decade of doing this work now? So I've done forestry. I studied it for five years. And experience-wise, I've experienced it for five years. So studying for five and, and actually working in the industry for five years. So have you seen a lot of change in the industry since you got started? So it depends on what country you go to, which is something that I'm learning as well. It's not just a USA thing. It's also England, Germany, 
Um, we're finding more and more women in natural resources, women in wood, um, women in logging, I'm sure will be a thing if it already isn't. Um, and the reason why that is happening is because some of the membership societies are no longer serving younger generations in the same way that they served the older generations. And if you aren't working as an organization to bridge those gaps, then we're going to be creating our own and going to our own meetings and our own clubs um, that we've created. And that's just a change that I've noticed is all of these new facets of organizations have come out that are women-based because we need a presence. And one thing that I did remember at the Mass Timber Conference is I had a gentleman come up to me and we started talking about diversity in women. And I was um, in my nice dress clothing and, you know, just very professional. And I remember him saying something to me like the effect of, we need to recruit more women in the industry. And while I don't disagree with that, I also told him, I said, sir, there's several positions um, that need to be filled with women on your on your board seats. Do you have any women in your board? And he was just taken aback because that wasn't something that he probably knew could happen um, or knew that was a barrier. But it actually has been a barrier for women in our industry to not be in leadership positions. And we need to take women out of the office and secretarial and uh, office assistant positions and actually get them on the board. When I see a photo full of, full of men at a at a table, I ask, where's the women leadership? I would love for more of that and to recruit at the same time. Absolutely. Well, I don't want to take up your whole evening, and I think this is great, and I really am glad that we're going to get a chance to spread some of the work that you're doing through the Northern Logger podcast. And I hope that if you're ever in the Northeast, you'll come by and say hello. Thank you so much, Eileen. You have a great rest of your day as well. Mm -hmm.